Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Made by History. I'm Mark. And I'm Matt. And um, what are we talking about today, Matt? Well, it's a very nuanced topic and issue. Let's, the date today, January 19th. It's Tuesday, January 19th. We're going to talk about specifically, we're going to talk about the events of Wednesday, January 6th, when a group of people stormed the Capitol building the United States Capitol building, and specifically its similarities to Benito Mussolini's March on Rome and other events like that throughout history. Take yeah. it away. Yeah. Um, thank you for the, uh, for the intro. Um, yeah, we'll be uh, getting, getting into the nitty gritty here, um, as nitty gritty as an overview can get. Um, yeah, so uh, a little bit of context for where we are right now, if you're listening to this like 30 years from now. Um, <laughs> so right now, coronavirus, big deal in the US. Uh, a lot of people are dying on a daily, roughly like 4,000. Um, not Matt, Matt's not dying of coronavirus. <laughs> um, and um, actually, I just, sorry to cut you off. I just got a notification on my phone right before we started recording. Our death toll just passed 400,000. 400K. There we go. So, yeah, that's a, that's a big milestone for us. Um, <laughs> and uh, we've been in lockdown since March 13th here in Montclair, New Jersey. Um, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel, it seems. Uh, Joe Biden will be inaugurated as president of the United States tomorrow. This is as of recording. We're recording this on the 19th um, of 2000, January 19th, 2021. Um yeah. He's supposed to be inaugurated tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens, but confident that he will be. I mean, hey, if 25,000 National Guard have anything to say about it, he's getting inaugurated. Um, and, uh, but yeah, um, vaccinations, they're, they're starting in the U.S. Um, the, uh, the U.K. last Friday vaccinated 375,000 people um, just on Friday. So uh, we got a little catching up to do, but we'll get there. And um, and I can't wait to get those those shots in my arm. So so that's good news. Um, so we we've got um, I, about 15 million people have been vaccinated as of now. Definitely not at 400,000 or 375,000 a day, but we're so, we're we're doing all right in comparison to the rest of the world. But like this. They were hoping for 20 million by New Year's. That's not happened. No. But onward. Yes, yes, onward. Could be better, but uh, let's, let, let's um, you know, pay attention to the positives a bit here. So, um, yeah, let's, let's go right into it. First topic today is um, the attack on the Capitol building. Now, it's a little weird in terms of what we're calling this, um, <laughs> this event. If it's a terror attack, if it's a riot. I mean, um, I, I with full confidence would say it was a domestic terrorist attack. I, I agree. I would agree in that. Um, so far, Wikipedia, um, which people tend to hate on, but is pretty reliable, I think. And no, that's not my only source for this episode. But Wikipedia <laughs> is, um, is calling this the um, uh, 2021 storming of the United States Capitol. So, so that's a good... Um, Good name. No, not a lot of emotion attached, but I, I think it gets that across um, what, what happened. So that's sounds good. Um, so let me let me give you a quick overview. There's been a lot of chaos over the past few weeks. Um, 
we've got a, a, a good amount of information on what happened, um, even some timestamps. So, so that's good. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll hit you with, with some known facts. Um, I'll give you a who, what, where, when, and why, and then I'll, I'll give you some, some brief, uh, a brief timeline uh, of events. So uh, starting with who, um, who being the instigators and um, those involved, um, Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, um, Trump Jr., or Don Jr., sorry, um, <laughs> Ted Cruz, Paul Gassar, Josh Hawley, and the Republican Party um, all served directly or indirectly, whether it was on the day of the 6th or in the four years preceding, as instigators um, for the fiery mob that attacked the, uh, the U.S. Capitol. Those that actually did perpetrate the attack um, can count um, amongst themselves uh, Trump supporters, um, neo-Nazis, uh, people with a, a passion for uh, the lost cause and uh, the Confederacy, uh, which is just unbelievable to me, um, white supremacists, you name it. I mean, just a bunch of reputable <laughs> individuals. Um, it's, like a, it's like a who's who of, of sad individuals. Exactly. I mean, you look at the you look at the people that are there. Now I'm sounding a little bit like Trump. You look at the people who are at the uh, at the Capitol, but um, but you look at the people who are there, um, and, uh, and I mean, they're it's ridiculous. Just just a, a visual of these people. I mean, they're they're carrying Confederate flags, yelling USA, um, you know, dressed up in in their army costumes or whatever, wearing bulletproof vests that barely fit because they're you know morbidly obese. Um, it's just a really, really interesting collection of people. Um, so that's, that's the who. Um, I mean, I also, I'd like to add the who. Go ahead. I mean, there's, there's the who of who stormed the Capitol. We should also talk about the who of who allowed this to happen and who, yes. who filtered up this, this glob of nonsense for the last four years that is clogging America's artery. And you can look at Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz, Matt Gates, all of them. Mm -hmm, all, mm -hmm. all, yeah. all senators who Trump at one point or another probably insulted, degraded, or came after. And then when Trump won, when, when he somehow was elected president, they wanted to cling to their, their spots of power. So they, they kissed they kissed up. And, indeed. Indeed. And Dirty Mitch, um, Ted Cruz, and all <laughs> of them are the reason. And these are their constituents who they are allowing to attack our nation's capital in the name of America. Yes. Paradoxical, one, one could say. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's um, definitely included in that, uh, in that list of instigators. A hundred percent. Dirty Mitch or Mitch McConnell, um, just for clarity. Addison, yeah, that is his first name, is it not? Fact it check is, that, Matt. It is a uh, quick fact check. Uh, uh, Mitch McConnell's name is Addison Mitch McConnell. Addison, yes, okay, whatever. Addison Mitchell McConnell Jr. Addison Mitchell McConnell Jr. Um, yes, he, although he, and Lindsey Graham, although they may uh, try and, you know, deflect blame, they are definitely part of the instigators. Um, continuing on here, so what happened, broadly, um, 
the Trump mob attacked the Capitol building, overwhelmed police, and um, got into violent confrontations with uh, the press who were who were outside of the Capitol, uh, destroying camera equipment and um, assaulting some reporters, uh, and fighting with the police using some uh, homemade chemical weapons. Um, if you saw any of the news footage, <laughs> um, I'm sure you, you saw some of the clips of um, police uh, spraying pepper spray out at the crowd and then them getting receiving some kind of yellow um, pepper spray equivalent or something that seemed to be a homemade thing that some of them were carrying. Um, really, really just crazy to see. Like Sorry? also, we also saw clips of the police showing people around the Capitol building and helping them down the steps. So it was a very, a very non-conglomerate, very broken up police force, I guess you could say. Not yeah. everyone had the same intentions. Yeah, definitely a, a weird response. And, and we'll get to that for sure. Um, uh, where? Where did it happen? Uh, Washington, D.C., capital of this great nation um and uh started at the well the um trump's speech to his followers happened at the ellipse in front of the white house and um and then he directed his followers to march down pennsylvania avenue and go to the united states capitol building um and quote unquote hold their representatives accountable um and this happened from january 5th to 6th uh, I'll talk a little bit about what happened on, on the 5th. Uh, a little less spicy than what happened on the 6th, but definitely important. Um, and why? What was their goal? Um, I know many people were wondering this. Um, and as pictures of people with um, zip ties and, and handcuffs started to emerge, we got a clearer picture. Um, and uh, and it, was, it was pretty clear from what Trump was, was trying to say. Uh, white nationalists, Trump supporters, neo-Nazis, and other groups aim to stop the certification of election results and keep Donald Trump in power as president. So um, I wouldn't say it's uh, inaccurate to call it a coup, um, although usually those are trying to, uh, you know, usurp the powers that are currently in place. Um, and I mean, it was it was trying. It, it was it's weird, a little unique in in that they were trying to keep a president in power. If, um, I, if I may interject, um, go ahead. There was um, there is a a journalist named John Pilger or Pilger. Not exactly sure to pronounce his name. Mm -hmm. He's considered a radical journalist on the the radical left Antifa <laughs> thing. That is a joke. <laughs> yes, and um, he um, he he had some words to say, and he tweeted that the maid for theatrics on Capitol Hill was not an attempted coup. Coups are with the CIA stage all over the world. Neither was democracy in peril. What democracy? And it's a weird way to look at that issue. And I mean, like, he's not necessarily wrong, but I think he's taking it, like, looking at it from a very black and black and white angle, where, because I think he's looking at, like, a set definition of a coup, and it's just... Nothing about this was to uphold democracy whatsoever. No. This was all about, oh, this was about taking powers away from the democracy to have Mr. Donald keep his office. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, that's an interesting tweet. Um, I mean, like a lot of kind of exact language kind of gets thrown out the door when um, uh, 
when a uh, when when bad stuff happens. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I'll um, I'll go a little bit more in depth here, but let's let's start with uh, any any questions you may have, Matt. Hit me with what you got. What do you what do you want to know more of about this? Specifically, the um, the storming of the United States Capitol. Yes. Well, what did you like? Did you also, when you when you discussed it with people, like what was? And again, this is all this this part would be our personal opinions. This is not right. a fact in any way. But when you were discussing it with people, either the night of the sixth or the seventh and eighth, just in general. What were some of because the general understanding between me and Mark and a lot of others, but this is an opinion, making that clear, that this was bad and was not justifiable and not good, and it was like a hysterical attack on our democracy. What were some of the objections to, to that sentiment, and what was what were uh, opposing sentiments, you would say? Anything like any common themes throughout opposition? Well, I'd say, um in our town uh you don't hear a lot of support for uh for donald trump um or any of his uh insanity um and you have it for a long time um since he's been in office uh it, he's just not very popular in, in this town specifically um at least amongst people our our age and that's generally my perception but um I've heard from kind of like an opposite angle. Some people say that um, kind of like that tweet where I, I've heard multiple people kind of point out that like, oh, this is, you know, the U.S. has been doing this or ha has been um, trying to incite uh, unrest in South America and all over the world. So that you reap what you sow. Um, and I mean, I, I don't know. It it kind of seems like a unrelated um sort of like grievance <laughs> you know i mean I'm, it's of course i guess there's a parallel to be made but um but i, I see it more as uh th as kind of distracting from from the main issue and again this is uh personal opinion um i i kind of think that taking the focus away from how the the terrible um attack itself is is not great um I think it definitely needs to be called out for what it was, which was a violent and highly illegal act. So that's, yeah, that's what I've heard. And that's my opinion. I, well, if you don't mind me saying Go ahead. that, like I've had similar experience with a lot of people saying like, Oh, well, I don't really have that much stake in the, the American capital or like America. And while America, this is my opinion being a very imperialist nation even currently and there's a lot of bad stuff around the world that still does not i don't think that doesn't justify an, an attack on the american capital especially when it's coming from someone who we don't who we don't fiddle with or like who we don't try to upset their government like these are our own citizens or people i guess don't want to be citizens if they're waving <laughs> the confederate flag but so I don't think that's warranted. Then that's from like a more of a, a far left point of view. And the arguments I've gotten from a lot of the, the far right point of view is that it, they're not necessarily saying it was okay, but also like 
oh, but Black Lives Matter had all these protests. And I just think, I personally think that comparison to draw is outrageous. Yeah. A, a target being set aflame in Minnesota is not the same as trying to, to overturn a democratic election result. And it's not the same as attacking one of the oldest buildings in United States history, where so, much, where so many important people were and so much important stuff goes on. Regardless of whether you like the people inside on either side, it's like, you, you just can't, you can't do that. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, and also, people, in, in my opinion, the, the black people protesting for Black Lives Matter, like they're protesting against racial inequality and for their own racial justice, whereas people here were protesting for to, to uphold Donald Trump after he lost an election. And yeah, they, they just refuse to take facts at, from any standpoint because they're just still crying a fraudulent election where every piece of evidence, including lawsuits, he, he's lost. And they just yes. don't Yeah, I'd, I'd also like to make that clear. Um, he lost. Also, um, again, to... <laughs> Uh, just spoiler, uh, <laughs> they certified the election results uh, the night of. Um, it might have been actually midnight. Um, it's like 3 or 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah. So so I guess you could say the, the day after, technically. But they they did come back, and after they after the um, Senate and House were evacuated, um, and, uh, and after the mob had been cleared, and they did certify the election results. Um, so... So yeah, that's they they did not succeed the the mob. Um, I'm going to take that opportunity to, as you bring up the uh, Black Lives Matter protest this summer, as a um, segue into police response for this. Um, so we sorry, know. You sorry, you cut out there. Uh, for, I'm going to segue into the police response to the um, attack on the Capitol building and the uh, Black Lives Matter protesters this summer. So in the summer, you saw a huge, hugely violent um, response from police. Uh, even in DC, the Capitol Police came out and um, I'm, I'm sure you remember the images of a, like a shield wall um, trying to disperse protesters so that the president could go hold the Bible upside down <laughs> at, uh, at the church. Um, and and that same response wasn't uh it, it wasn't applied here um and it seems like the police response was sort of handicapped um and uh and that the national guard were not deployed for i, I mean i remember during the event i was like you know they had been talking about the National Guard being deployed for a few hours um, in the in the afternoon coming into the evening. Um, and we were just waiting, looking at the TV, you know, asking, where's the National Guard? Um, eventually, they did come and they did disperse the crowd. But it's it was very um, strange to see that the while there were National Guardsmen and, and cops, you know, lining the, the steps and the, and the streets and surrounding the Capitol building, for effectively human rights protests in the summer, um, when a an attempted coup um, was, uh, if you want to call it a coup, um, I I think it's safe too. Okay, okay. Well, we'll we'll call it a coup. We can correct that later or something. I don't know. Um, 
but there, it just wasn't the same response. I expected there to be a lot more violence, and it was not bloodless. Um, we know five people died, one of those being a Capitol Police officer, um, the rest being um, rioters. Um, so overall, I mean, it was definitely weird to watch as just somebody who's been paying attention to what's been going on over the past year. Um, but I, I suppose it, it was, it was unexpected, but maybe I should have expected it. Maybe I should have expected that the, um, Trump mob wouldn't receive the same treatment. There's also been some speculation that there was, you know, maybe, um, some sort of like prohibition of the use of the national guard, um, because Donald Trump is in power. There's some, you know, executive interference, but it doesn't seem like that was entirely true. Um, Mike Pence did call in the National Guard, uh, and they did arrive later that that evening. Um, the Capitol Police, it also seems like their hands were tied, um, because unlike the um, states where it's relatively easy to call in National Guard and deploy police onto, you know, like state, uh, or onto the grounds of you know, most municipal areas in a, um, in a state, the Capitol Police does not have that authority because most of D.C. is federal property and, um, and that's left, left, to the, left to the government itself instead of the, uh, the mayor of D.C. Um, so there was some police hold up there. Um, overall, it, it was just kind of, uh, I, I know I, I found it almost like felt like they were kind of paralyzed and and you know I felt like the same way just kind of watching it I mean you know over the past 10-12 months there's been a lot of stuff that's happened and we're all just kind of powerless to do anything about it while we watch um and this definitely felt like one of those those moments um but even more so just because it was very um significant um and and scary I mean after seeing those pictures of people holding zip cuffs and and the like um, you know, you wonder, and with the gallows that they um, built outside of the Capitol, um, the, once Mike Pence, um, he, he decided to go with his constitutional duty and certify the election results, um, they were chanting to hang Mike Pence. So the, the violence that was going to be or potentially could have been perpetrated against uh, members of Congress um, and other government officials was really uh, definitely scary. Um, I was gonna say something along those lines. Like, so there's this a, a rather famous, I wouldn't call him a celebrity, but definitely well-known person, Christian Walker, who um, is on the internets, famous on the internets for a lot of conservative content. And when Mitch McConnell, slimy Mitch, after he gave that his his little after after riot speech about how now that we should uphold the constitution even though he's not been doing any of that for the last four years christian walker tweets mitch mcconnell can go to h-e-l-l what a f-word communist just very very the the republican party and especially the far right just seemed in absolute shambles yeah on wednesday and i'd also like to point out like of just the rampant levels of just hatred like 
at the Capitol compared to Black Lives Matter protests. Like there was, it was all empowerment and uplifting at the Black Lives Matter protest. Like it was all like, like black power and black um, uplifting. Whereas at the Capitol, you saw a lot of rampant amounts of anti-Semitism with the, the Camp Auschwitz and the six, um, six MWE shirts and violent homophobia and transphobia, racism, xenophobia. It was just, it, it just, it's very upsetting to see. And yeah. it's very upsetting that some people are dull enough to still draw that comparison. I think we should segue now. I mean, it's very nice and nuanced take on the situation. Could you maybe tell us a little more about the the parallel between some other some other events in history that could be similar? Well, yeah, sure. So, um, March on Rome. That's the that's the event we're talking about today. Uh, in in comparison to this, so um, kind of I've been taking for granted a little bit that a lot of you know what happened overall on on um, a few weeks ago. Uh, maybe we'll come out with a more accurate, like time-stamped kind of overview at some point soon. But take this as your primer for the events. Um, so, the, but the March on Rome, I'll, I'll give some more detail because I'm assuming that our audience doesn't know as much about that event. Uh, a lot less recent. Um, so the March on Rome um, took place Octo on the 24th of October, 1922. So a little while ago. Um, <laughs> and our, some, some context for you, um, Italy after World War One is a, um, constitutional monarchy. So they have a king in power and he is, uh, and there's a parliament. Um, now before the, uh, entry of Italy into the first world war, um, there was a lot of anti-war sentiment. Most Italians didn't want to go to war. However, the electorate in Italy at the time was mostly um, sort of confined to uh, rich men of a very, and making up a very small portion of the population um, in comparison to the, the public that was very much not in favor of going to war. Um, so after the war, very costly, um, maybe we'll talk more about Italy's role in the First World War, um, but plenty of people <laughs> go off to war and die. Um, but after the war, sort of as a favor, as that sort of unrest and, and negative sentiment continues um, as men are starting to come home from the war, the prime minister at the time, he gives voting privileges universal suffrage to all men in Italy. Um, and the idea behind this is that it's going to reduce unrest and anti-government sentiment. Um, guess, guess how that worked out? It didn't work it out did very not. well. <laughs> yeah. Um, they quickly found that while parties before, like on the far left, communists and socialists, well, before they hadn't had much sway because it was mostly rich men in power, in, uh, in Italy, and usually you don't see very many uh, rich people wanting to um, eat the rich <laughs> or redistribute wealth. Um, but once this broad um, voting suffrage was, was given to all men in Italy, still not given to women, um, the 
floodgates kind of opened and you see every kind of ideology on the spectrum enter into the Italian um, body politic and uh, quickly became very unstable. Um, in four years, there were six different governments and four different prime ministers. So not exactly stable. Um, over this time, socialists began to gain power um, and there were a huge number of strikes and other actions on the part of leftist groups um, against unfair labor um, laws and, and practices um, and against government instability um, and, and many other protests. Some of these became violent when police responded um, and there were some armed insurrections. In Germany, saw some very similar things around the time. Um, a number of, sorry, I was going to mention, I was going to mention the march on Munich in, uh, in 1923. And awesome. you, you even saw going way back when to King Charles the first in England when him and when 400 soldiers went against the army and just marched up to to Westminster but continue plenty plenty of these types of actions throughout history um but the and there's kind of as the political um you know, spectrum opened following the war, there was a, a lot of conflict here. Now, another interesting parallel here between, I'm, I'm going to make a triple parallel here, or I guess double, uh, <laughs> Italy to the U.S. and Italy to Germany at the time. Um, so as um, the police responded and many of these um, strikes became violent when people did not want to uh, go home <laughs> um, and did also not, they also refused to take a beating from the police. They, um, they fought. So the government, after demobilizing their army, and keep in mind, Italy was on the victorious side of the First World War. Um, but after the war, you know, you have huge armies that quickly need to get back into you need all the soldiers to go back into civilian life because a war economy is not sustainable unless you're in a war. Um, little brief context there. Um, but because the military was smaller, um, still plenty to quell unrest, um, but the, the government didn't feel like it was a great idea to be associated with the crushing of rebellion. So they employed the uh, the work of fascist organizations, um, which were at the time fractured, um, just like the German government did at the time. Um, in Germany, the Freikorps, which were a number of organizations of former World War I veterans and nationalists and early fascists, um, they fought in the streets alongside the German army to stop the revolutionaries um, in, in a number of small revolutions. And similar actions happened here with the, um, what would eventually become the squadristi or black shirts. Um, so after much of the resistance was quelled, these fascist groups that had actually been fighting themselves at different points, fighting each other, um, centralized into the black shirts uh, and continued even after stopping most of the unrest. At, at some points there were multiple strikes per day uh, with thousands of people in Italy. Um, but after a certain point um, and a large uh, 
amount of violence on, on, the ha on behalf of the fascists. Um, the majority of the unrest was over, but still needing an enemy, the fascists continued to murder leftist politicians, activists, and just everyday people who happened to align with um, syndicalists, communists, and, and others. Um, now, here's something interesting. Uh, Donald Trump and his um, Republican Party have endorsed a lot of fascist activity or uh, activity of white nationalists. If you'll uh, remember back in 2017, Charlottesville, um, Donald Trump said that there were good people on both sides. Now that quote's been parroted a lot, but um, I think aptly, it's, that's not something that should be uh, quickly forgotten. Um, and here you see Prime, Prime Minister Giovanni Gelidi um, endorse Mussolini and his fascists and invite, uh, and uh, the Prime Minister invites Mussolini and his fascists to join a center-right bloc to oppose leftists. Um, and in recent years in the United States, you've seen a lot of people um, talk about how, um, oh, that's not representative of the Republican Party, or you can't just call somebody a Nazi who you disagree with, right? However, you've seen not so widespread con condemnation of fascists on part of uh, on the part of the Republican Party, um, and and here more directly, the uh, to win in the um, upcoming election, the Italian um, uh, right joined with the far right. Um, which is something that's a little scary to think about. Um, they, together, this new coalition, called for an election in 1921, um, and Mussolini won a, um, the equivalent of a Senate seat for himself. Uh, conservatives didn't win overall, and for this very reason, uh, fascists called for a new government. Um, that should be pretty familiar. Um, after losing the 2020 presidential election, Donald Trump has been, and the Republicans, have been calling for recounts and a whole number of different things culminating in this attack on the Capitol. Um, I'll wrap up a little bit here. Um, the actual march on Rome, 60,000 fascists met in Naples with Mussolini, and Mussolini uh, delivered a fiery speech, just like Donald Trump did, um, saying, we're, we're going to, we've collected all the um, you know, the, the will of the south of Italy here, and we, we need to combine in our forces and, and take over Rome. Uh, and Donald Trump um, made a, a very similar speech, which you saw televised, and I'm sure you can find a clip easily. Um, and it, it's, again, really scary seeing these, these similarities here. Um, funny enough, uh, Mussolini also said that he would march with them didn't. He, he did not march with them. He came for the end of the march because it was about 150 miles, and I guess he didn't want to get his feet dirty on the way. Um, but Donald Trump also said the same thing. I'll be right there with you going to the Capitol building. He didn't, he didn't show up. Um, so uh, that's, that's another little smaller but, but interesting parallel here. Um, in the end, 30,000 of the 60,000 extremists made the entire march um, from Naples to Rome and Mussolini became the prime minister. Now, this is after um, Luigi Facta, who was the prime minister at the time. 
He knew that the military could stop the fascists from taking over the government if they were deployed, and he asked King Vittorio Emmanuel to call a state of siege, but Emmanuel denied. Um, you can kind of make a, a parallel here between um, Pence taking the initiative to uh, call on the National Guard. That actually did happen, um, where FACTA was unable to. Um, and Emmanuel had been opposed in opposition to Mussolini and, and Mussolini to um, King Emmanuel before, but in his speech in Naples, he Mussolini expressed his support for the monarchy, and um, and I guess that's what got him to uh, to allow that. It's not a hundred percent known what was going through the uh, the king's head at the time, but that's that's kind of what's believed. Um, and Factor resigned immediately. Now people believed at the time that Mussolini would be the PM, the prime minister, and he would be removed very quickly. Nobody was taking him seriously. None of the parties thought he was, uh, you know, any sort of effective political force. Um, but at that time, the fascists had already gained too big of a foothold, and there was nothing to really stop them. And um, eventually, Mussolini became prime or uh, became dictator <laughs> of Italy and led them into the Second World War. So that's that's what I got on the march on Rome. Well, you certainly are very versed in your knowledge. Um, I you you've pretty much covered all the bases. The only thing that I have down here that I don't think you talked about is Mussolini. Again, I guess you can draw <laughs> draw. Um, it's a little different, but we all know that Trump dodged the Vietnam War. Mussolini went to the First World War hated it and left he then he then joined the the socialist party or he attempted to he did join the socialist party so he was a a peace-loving socialist and eventually he wanted him and his socialist friends to, to go to war he wanted italy to to take back well when italy won was on the victory one they thought they were going to get a lot more land than they actually did they thought they were going to get a lot of their "Quote unquote Holy Roman Empire land back." They did. Well, well, they got a, they it's got a little a, different, but yeah, like a lot of land that they used to have at, yeah. at a certain point in history. They did not get all of it. They got a very small portion of it, and he was mad. So he wanted to go to war. Of course, he's a very nationalistic person, and so then he tried to get his socialist his socialist friends to 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 march to 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 take to take the government to go to war. And they said no and kicked him out. And so then he went to Switzerland for a little bit and then he came back and started fascismo, which, so he basically not, I mean, he started the official, he, he was the first official dictator to run under the, the fascist party or use that word. Whereas many people throughout history have used those kinds of actions, but he brought about the word fascismo. Yep, yeah. It's just very, it's all very, there, there's so much, it, like I, I guess this is my opinion again, but there's a little bit of fact to it. Like there's so many historical parallels that you can draw to Trump as a whole and over his whole presidency, over certain acts that he's done and specifically this, this event. And almost every single time when you draw the parallel in history, it was people on the wrong side of history who we now know today as people being evil, fascist, racist, all of those things. And I think that's telling 
for when we're older and our kids will think about Donald Trump being evil, racist, fascist, and that's that's how he will be perceived. And yeah. that's fitting, personally. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. And I mean, uh, definitely trying to um, state the facts and let it be uh, allow our audience to you know make their own assertions or whatever. But uh, let's make it clear: um, Donald Trump has been one of the worst presidents um, we've ever had in this country. He's a criminal. And he tr- attempted a author- an authoritarian takeover um, in, the, in a similar vein to Mussolini and others like him. So um, calling him what he is is, uh, is definitely um, shouldn't be unpopular. Um, yeah. I, I, well, I, I mean, I think we covered all the bases and I think this is good. I think so too. I would encourage people to to read more about. I mean, thank you if you're if you're still listening after all that. I appreciate you. And I would hope so. I I mean I I would expect nothing less from our viewers, but um or listeners I guess. But <laughs> thank you for listening and definitely. I mean, it's good that you listened. Keep reading. Keep forming your opinions. Um take away from this what you will but if you're get, if you're looking for a specific thing to take away it was not good it's not been a good month it's not been a good year it's not been a good four years but things will, will always things things have the potential to get better it, it's gonna get better it will like we will move past this but what's happening right now is not good is not okay and should not continue to happen Yes, um, there's a there's a phrase, um, a, a popular phrase that the Italian fascists wanted to um, circulate. Um, I believe it was uh, "menefrego," which means something like "I don't give a damn." Um, and over time, as they murdered people in the street, killed political leaders of opposing parties and cause chaos and unrest in their country um, on behalf of lofty ideals um, that were rooted in evil, they, um, they encouraged people to uh, look the other way. They, they tried to normalize violence on a daily basis. Um, and I think something to uh, my, my, my takeaway here is um, no matter what, although it may seem uh, like it, like something should be expected, um, you know, violence from Trump supporters or from any other group, um, that should never become normalized. And and when it does is is when the uh, hateful ideologies of terror groups and and fascists uh, start to take hold. So um, recognize the uh, evils of. Uh, criminals like Donald Trump and the fascists that follow him and call him out. Um, so yeah, uh, as Matt said, continue to read, continue to educate yourself, continue to listen to this show. Um, if you uh, always listen to this show, uh, feel free to listen as much as you want. Uh, any um, sources that we, we use, um, they can be found 
either uh well actually on our first episode we used some um some nice some nice books and and uh like i don't know if they're really primary source documents from but some books from 1919 um but you can find a lot of this stuff on the internet so it's it's not arcane or uh, you know inaccessible so please uh feel free to do your own research and um departing message from you matt if you my departing message is stay well, stay safe, and if you feel so moved just to listen to more of this excellent show, there's episodes on the Ottomans, there's episodes on the coronavirus, there's a follow-up episode on the coronavirus, there's election episodes, you can take your pick. Just available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and yeah, I, I wildly encourage you to, to keep listening. hundred percent. Um, so yeah, we'll be, we'll be seeing you next time, uh, made by history listeners and viewers and, uh, very soon. Um, so yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Adios.